Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel, Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Our lives as believers, our walk, it ought to stand out from those who do not know God. He said again in verse 5, we should not be living in passion and lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. They don't even know the Lord. That's their excuse, but not us. That, it should be different for us because we know the Lord. Then he says now in verse six, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. In your walk with Jesus, are there times when you're sure that you know what's best for your life? Does it ever feel like God is doing the wrong thing and you decide to go by your own plan? Today, Pastor Bill explains that you need to forget your own timing and focus on God's timing. He always has a perfect plan for your life. If you want to experience growth in who you are, give your life to Jesus. His timing will benefit you far greater than you could ever imagine. Turn to God always and be delivered. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as he continues his message, How You Ought to Walk. God wills that we be set apart uh, by Him and for Him. And sometimes our unwillingness to be sanctified, set apart, uh, it, it could be blocking or hindering us from what God would like to do, what He would, what he would desire to, to do in our lives. And so again, this is the will of God, your sanctification. Then he says this, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. And before I, I hit that real clear, there's two aspects of what it means to be sanctified. There's a, there's a spiritual sanctification and a practical sanctification. The spiritual aspect of our sanctification are, are belonging to the Lord. It's, position, it's called, uh, the, the theological term is positional sanctification. It means my position is in Christ. If, you're, if you believed in Jesus, even though you're imperfect still, you're positionally sanctified. You are in Christ and nobody can take you out. And your imperfections won't kick you out. You belong to the Lord. If you mess up bad enough, he'll spank you. But you're his child. You are positionally sanctified. But God wants, that's not the word used here. The word used here is the practical sanctification where God says, I want you to do your part. Right? I, positionally, you are mine. You are in me. You are born again. I got you. You're safe. You're my child. And God says, now over here, I want you to, I, I want you to practically live out what I've done for you spiritually Positionally, I want you to live it out. I want you to now choose me. I want you to now put me first. I want you to now, you know, walk away from certain things. And so that's what Paul has in mind here. The, the practical aspect of sanctification that we would set ourselves apart from other things, from other desires, from other passions and, and choosing the Lord to do that. So then he says this, that you should abstain from sexual immorality. If you're taking notes, the word abstain means to keep oneself entirely away from. So if you abstaining from something, can you have a little bit of it? No, it's all none of it. Right. If you abstaining, you can't have a little bit of something you abstaining from. So he says, I want you to abstain, which means to keep oneself entirely away from. Then he says sexual immorality. Now, the Greek word here is vast. It's the word is pornea, where we get our English word pornography from. Here's all this encompassed under this. What is sexual morality? Here's everything under that word. Uh, I will not be, I want to be gross, but I want to be complete so that we have clarity. Um, adultery, which is sex with someone that's married, but they're not married to you. 
or that you're married, but you're having sex with someone that you're not married to. Adultery. Fornication means that you're not married, but you're having sex. That would be fornication. Uh, pornography. So, so someone you, you're watching, you know, naked people or you're, 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 you're involved. You're watching things that are inappropriate that way. Pornography, um, lust and self-sex that would fall under this uh, arena as well. Any illicit sexual in, in, uh, activity, any type of sex that's not husband and wife together having sex. So the only sex that's blessed of God is husband, wife and marriage. Do y'all, y'all, are we clear? Do I, everybody, everybody agree with that? Y'all do we have? Okay. That's the only, that's the only sex where God, here's the crazy thing, right? God spends all this time in the word telling unmarried people, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Then what does he got to tell married people? Do it, do it, do it. First Corinthians seven, three through five. God tell the married people now do it. Now you got people that sinned against God. They whole, you know, single life, get married. And then they, they're like, now they don't want to give it up. Uh, that's a whole nother study from somebody else, but uh, you know, uh, th- that's wrong too. But you know, here God is saying, look, any other kind of sex is wrong. Now we live in a they they were in Thessalonica was a sexual a sexually perverse culture like where we live today. We live in a sexually perverse culture. There's things available all over the place. People are okay with things that are not okay with God, and so Paul is exhorting them, not like the Corinthian church. When Paul spoke to the Corinthian church, he was correcting them because they were participating in this stuff. When God is talking to the church at Thessalonica, he's saying, guys, I'm just warning you. I'm giving you a heads up. I'm letting you know what God's will is because I know where you live. I know what's all around you, right? And so maybe some of you are, it's all around you, and you need to be reminded that God wants to pull you away from it and keep you from it. Maybe you're listening, you would say, man, I'm wrapped up in it, and I want to give you some information that would help you to be free of it. But God says, look, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you would abstain, that you would entirely keep yourself from all forms of illicit sexual activity, all sexual immorality, that you would keep yourself from it. So um, how, how do we do that? How do we live in a world that is immersed in, you know, all the things that we're immersed in and keep ourselves from sexual immorality? Um, well, it was the first word, something you abstain from. It's something you choose to do now. This is something I've learned about the Lord. If God commands us to do something, he also empowers us to do it. Amen. So God's not going to command you to do something and then leave you powerless to obey the command. So if God commands us to abstain, it means that you can do so with his help, Um, that God will empower you to do what he's, you know, to walk out what he's called you to walk in. And so I would challenge us as a church, uh, as individual believers, married people, single people, um, cause this, this applies to everybody. You could be married and, and messing around with pornography or being unfaithful to your spouse or lusting after things that you shouldn't. And, and I understand that men and women are different. You know, I, I think men are more prone to pornography though. Women get into it. Women can be reading books and, and fascinating about, you know, somebody that's not the husband that God gave you. Um, and so we got to be careful about all these different forms of, of, of sensuality in our culture. They're television shows. Um, I, I literally know marriages that broke up because somebody got into a TV show and then they began to want what they were seeing on the TV show and be dissatisfied with what they had. And it led to adultery and a breakup in a so-called Christian home. I, I, I'm aware of these situations. We got to be careful what we take before our eyes, what we sow into our hearts, um, what, what we allow because we live in a sexually perverse culture. And so 
let me come down to verse four. So it says you should abstain from sexual immorality. Then it says in verse four that you shouldn't, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Um, some people think this, you know, uh, the, 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 the possessing your vessel here, speaking of your spouse. I actually think this is speaking of your vessel, your body, that you, you should know how to possess your own body in sanctification and in honor that we should know how to possess our own selves in a way that would honor and glorify God. The word possess, it means to acquire or to get a hold, to take control of something. And so God says, look, possess your possession, man. Possess your vessel. Um, you're in control. Everybody know you in control of what you do with your body? Right? Unless somebody is, is, is taking you against your will, we are in control of what we do with our body. So Paul says, look, possess your vessel. God wants everyone to be able to possess their vessel and sanctification and in honor. Now, I think it's important that we realize we're responsible for what we do and what we allow others to do with our bodies. We're to possess them. Now, this changes in marriage. In marriage, we give ourselves away, right? So uh, if you're single, um, you know, this This is, I got to speak to my, my unmarried people because uh, there could be single people that are in a boyfriend-girlfriend situation or, um, or, or you know, or, or otherwise, single being that you're not married. Um, you can't give yourself to somebody else. They can't possess you. Um, but you have single couples that, and that they're not married yet, but they're boyfriend, girlfriend, and they're like, oh, that's mine over there. No, no. Y'all got to don't let them do that. It, not till not till there's a marriage certificate and a covenant signed by a pastor and the court. You don't own Jack. That's what I, that would be my suggestion, especially for the young ladies. Uh, don't let somebody be thinking that they own you. They possess you. They you mine. No, no. I could be if you get your act together, but I'm not. You know, um, don't allow someone to have that. You possess your vessel with sanctification, and honor. Biblically, we not we're not to give ourselves away until we give ourselves away in marriage. Amen. That's the biblical picture. Now, in marriage. God tells the husband and wife, your body is not your own. It belongs to your spouse. You gave it up. You gave it away. Um, that's the right place to give it up, give it away, um, not beforehand. So Paul says, again, we sh each person should know how to possess his own vessel in, in, in this way, in sanctification and in honor. Um, and so immorality is the, it's the opposite of honor uh, because it degrades and it debases a person's self. Those who don't restrain their sexual desires are acting more like animals. They just follow every impulse. You know, I, uh, me, me and my kids breed dogs. Um, I've been breeding breed these uh, uh, Italian mastiffs. And when a female dog goes in the heat, all right, I don't know if you guys have seen what dogs act like, but when a female goes in the heat, he, he literally goes crazy. The male dog is, is uh, he is possessed. Um, I mean that he's my friend all the time, all year. He's my buddy. He licks me. He walks with me. When a female goes in the heat, he's like, I want to talk to you. He won't eat. He won't drink. He just wants her wherever she's at. And, uh, they don't got to know each other. Um, we had our female dog trying to hop the fence when she went in the heat. They don't care who they mate with. Anybody, any, any passerby can get it. Um, that's what dogs do now as human beings. We shouldn't be behaving like that. Amen. But, but y'all know that there are people out there behaving like that. Anybody been to the club? Don't raise your hand. But that's what they're doing at the club. Anybody can get it. That's, that's what dogs do. That's the animal kingdom, right? They don't have souls. They're just animals. But we should not be behaving like mere animals. And so learn how to possess your vessel in sanctification and honor. Everybody say amen. Say, I'm going to do it. 
Y'all didn't say that like you meant. All right, I, we'll 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 keep going. <laughs> we'll keep going. We we'll get there. We'll get there. So, um, <laughs> man, uh, look at verse. Uh, so verse four, uh, he says we should possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Verse five. Now, uh, in contrast, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Number four in our how you ought to walk. Our walk ought to stand out from those who do not know God. So our lives as believers, our walk, it ought to stand out from those who do not know God. He said again in verse five, we should not be living in passion and lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. They don't even know the Lord. That's their excuse, but not us. That, it should be different for us because we know the Lord. Then he says now in verse six, that no one should take advantage of and defraud his brother in this matter because the Lord is the avenger of all such as we also forewarned you and testified. So here he says, look, we should not defraud our brother in this. And here, here's the idea of defrauding your brother, right? If, if we walk in sexual immorality, um, we can be taken advantage of or defrauding someone. We cheat them of, of, of one of their relationship with the Lord. Um, if it's someone, I'm, I'm, if someone's fornicating with someone that they're you know, you know, marrying them, um, you know, that person was supposed to be saved up for somebody else. In that sense, you've defrauded a brother. Um, sometimes you have Christian couples that are fornicating together. And think about this, right? With the person that you would say you love, you're engaging in an act that damages their relationship with God. Yet you're saying, I love you. I love you so much that 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 I'm, I'm willing to do something with you that jacks up your walk and your relationship with the Lord. Real biblical Christian love would say, I love you so much. I'm going to abstain though my flesh doesn't want to. I'm going to honor your walk with the Lord. Um, we're going to speed up our marriage date or whatever you got to do. Um, you know, that, 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 uh, when I, when I first sat down with my wife, um, and said, you know, we, we committed to get married. Um, I don't know what she was thinking, but she was like, well, you know, I'm about to finish school. And she had like three to five years. I was like, oh no, <laughs> No, no, no. Because we were walking in purity. I said, no, nah, I, no, I, I need a date I can see within 12 months. I got 12 months maximum. Um, I think we got it done in a little less than that. But, uh, you know, I was like, ain't no way. We're not, we're not three to five years. No, 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 no. Uh, that's, that's just un, that's unreasonable. I was 21 years old. Wasn't going to make it. So, um, you know, we got to be, we, we got to make, we, we got to make good decisions about these things. Right. So, uh, so moving on here, he says, um, we don't want to defraud each other. We don't want to defraud one another. And again, just consider that, that it's it's a loving thing to say to someone, especially if we're, we're believers, we should only be uh, considering another believer. I'm going to honor your walk with the Lord. I want you to be solid with God. And if that means that we're going to repent of anything we've done, we're going to walk in purity because I want to honor God. And I, I, I think it also... It, it, it does something for the future of your relationship, right? If you walk in purity as a single couple, it says to your spouse that you're a man or a woman that is able to exercise self-control. You, you really do have convictions because later on you think about this. Let's say you're a Christian couple and you guys are sinning against God all the time. And then y'all get married. Why would they think that you would be faithful to them? Right. You don't fear God. I know you don't fear God because I've been with you all this time. Your, your singleness is an opportunity to or the engagement period or whatever is an opportunity to display 
to your spouse, I fear God and I'm, I honor God. And I know that, you know, you know, you, that's not something you have to worry about with me. I'm someone that's going to honor God in this area of my life. You could sow in security or you could sow in insecurity um, based on how you handle your relationships before marriage. So consider that as a Christian uh, that's in a, in a relationship uh, planning to get married. Um, God would have us to do that in purity. Now, I want to touch on a few other verses, but look at look at verses six through eight. And then um, he's going to give us purpose. The, there's a purpose for his command for purity. So we'll look at verses six through eight. And then I want to tie in a few other scriptures. So look at verse six. Uh, it says that no one should take advantage of or defraud his brother in this manner because the Lord is the avenger of all such. That's the first reason. We'll, we'll, I'll give you all four in just a moment. As we also forewarned you and, and testified, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. So he gives us four purposes for the command for purity. The first one um, is because the Lord is the avenger of all such. God has said, look, I'm going to punish those who live in sexual immorality. That's we should remember that God says, I'll deal with that. that that'll be something that I, I discipline, I punish eventually. So God is the avenger of all such. First um, Corinthians six eighteen talks about how that, you know, any sin, any sin that a man does is, is sin, but sexual morality is a unique sin. It's a sin that you commit against your own body. Right. Um, so if you think about the things that you do with your own body, it says, look, you're you're actually sinning against your own self when you get involved in sexual immorality. And I was pondering how that plays out. You know, for some people, it plays out in this way. Um, you open up doors that are difficult to shut. Um, for some people, they open up habits. Um, you're sinning against your own body as you open yourself up to sexual sins. One of the is why we should abstain, why we should keep ourselves from uh, the, that's number one, because the Lord is the avenger of all such. The second reason uh, for the command for purity is for God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. So sexual immorality is inconsistent with who we are in Christ Jesus. It's just what God has called us to do and to be. It was inconsistent with everything God's called us to do, call us to be. God didn't call us to that. He called us to, to holiness. Right. And, and I want to say this. Right. This isn't the condemn people that have lived a certain kind of way and now have come to Christ. This is to instruct us how we're to live in Christ. Uh, all of us that have come from outside, we may have been involved in all sorts of things. And then we got saved. God is saying now that now that you belong to me, this is how I want you to live. So there is therefore now no condemnation to those of us that are in Christ Jesus who no longer walk after the flesh, but walk according to the spirit. Um, so we're not putting down your past. We're saying, hey, this is how we're called to walk now. And God is instructing us how we're to do it, how we're to walk, how we're to behave. I want to look at a section in 1 Corinthians 6. You can write it down in your notes. Uh, if, if you want, you can turn to it with us. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11 and 15 through 20. Um, two, I believe, very important sections that deal with um, sexual immorality and God's heart uh, on it and how he feels about it. And so 1 Corinthians 6, first I'm going to read verses 9 through 11. It says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God, right? So if you're not inheriting the kingdom of God, are you going to heaven? Nope. So now he gets a little more clear with who the unrighteous are. He says, don't be deceived. 
Neither fornicators, we talked about that, sex outside of marriage, or idolaters, uh, those that are worshiping other things that are greater than God, adulterers, those that are cheating on their spouses or sleeping with married people, homosexuals, those that are sleeping with people of the same sex, sodomites, that y'all know what that is, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. And this, this is what he says this, and such were some of you. But you were washed. What do we what do we get washed in, saints? The blood of Jesus. He said, but you were washed and you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. I love that. He said, look, this this list, if you're in. Here's the thing. It's not if you stumble into these things, if you if you're not going to live this right, you can't practice any of these things as a lifestyle. You cannot be a drunkard. You can't be an ongoing idolater. You can't be a homosexual. You can't be a sexually immoral individual just living wild and crazy and expect that after you live like that, you're going to die and go to heaven. Paul said you will not. I think this is very important because I'm telling y'all there are I've, I've actually listened to pastors basically not even insinuate, say that. That's old school. That's not like like as though, as though God is as though there's a new school God or there's a God for 2020. Y'all know the God of 2020 is the same God your great 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 grandmama had. He he ain't changed his mind about none of these things. And so um, I think it's imperative that we look and say that's God's word. I can't mess with this. I can't rewrite this for y'all. This is what it says. This applies to all of us. I'm included. We can't live this life and we can't live in any of these things and expect. To, to go to heaven. But it says this, right? I love the end part. He says, but such were some of you. Some of y'all were some of these things. He's talking to the Corinthian church. There were some people there that used to be gay, used to be out there in the club, used to be drunk, used to be, but, but you got washed by the blood of Christ. You got born again. You were washed and you were sanctified. And you were justified in the name of the Lord and the spirit of our God. And so I know there's room at the cross for everybody. Amen. And so, but, but be clear, you, you had to get washed and sanctified and justified. You didn't get to keep living that way. You had to come get washed and set apart and justified in the name of the Lord. So that's what we call people to do. Don't think you're going to continue in it. You got to come out from it and God will wash you. And he will justify you and sanctify you and claim you as his own and you will go to heaven. But you got to come out from it. Right. Uh, the next thing is, is verses 15 through 20. Same chapter. It says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ, right? Because as believers, Christ lives in us. Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. So if, if a believer, right, Christian who Christ lives in goes and gets in the bed with some guy, you just joined Christ. You, you took Christ with you. Christ don't get out. He don't jump out of you and say, I'm, I'm going to wait till you get done. And uh, I'll catch you on Sunday when you repent. You know, he's there with you. Take him with you into whatever you're doing. Right. And so um, he says, you make them members of a harlot. Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her for the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Here's the application. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? If you're a believer, you've been bought by the blood of Christ, you're not your own. For you were bought at a price, therefore 
glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. And so here he says, look, God lives in you. Um, you are not your own. If you if you involve yourself in these things, you take Christ with you. Be mindful of that. And he reminds us here, look, you, you've been bought at a price, the blood of Jesus. You've just heard a transforming word, a ministry out of Inglewood, California. Do you know Jesus? We want you to find the inexpressible joy and hope found in him. We'd strongly encourage you to go to calvaryinglewood.org to get started in knowing Jesus personally. Part of the ministry of Jesus focused on loving others in an unassuming way, like that of a servant. Listen to the words of Paul as he prays for you and me to have that same kind of love. It reads like this from 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 12. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all, just as we do to you. We believe that your relationship with Jesus and others matters. That's why this ministry dedicates a space on our website to download the mobile app. This is a great tool to have because it allows you to grow in your faith whenever and wherever you are. There's nothing better than having the teachings of Jesus right at your fingertips. Head on over to calvaryinglewood.org and scroll down to the bottom of the page. There you'll find the information you need. Here it is again, in case you missed it the first time. CalvaryInglewood.org. Do you need someone to talk with or pray for you? Don't wait another second longer. We would be overjoyed to be that someone for you today. You can call us at 310-245-4811. That number again is 310-245-4811. We look forward to hearing from you. Well, we're out of time for today. Plan to join us again on A Transforming Word.